Welcome back to Free Wide, our once weekly podcast discussing both NASCAR and Formula One related topics of the week. I'm Caleb. I'm Connor. I'm Brandon, otherwise known as Dad. All right, how are we all doing this weekend? Kind of an uneventful week for NASCAR, but an eventful week that you could say for Canada. Uh, yeah, not bad. Uh, Red Bull doing again. Hey, but NASCAR, to me, had tons of news. Yeah. The only off week of the year, Father's Day, but tons of news come out this week. I do give that a fair point. I mean, maybe NASCAR needs a grid penalty for uh, getting all that news, jumping it too early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of grid penalties at Canada. We'll talk about that later coming into segment. But first, we're going to talk about some of that NASCAR news. The first big one we want to talk about is Stuart Haas Racing announced that they are signing Josh Berry to a multi-year, multi-year deal to drive the number four car. I mean, I think this is a great move. Yeah, great opportunity for the guy. He's had a couple chances with Hendrick now, but he's he's locked in a full, full-time uh, deal with Stuart Haas, so let's see if we can bring home some wins for the for the uh, team like Kevin Harvick did previously in his car. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what Josh Berry can do in a full-time ride. He's going to be paired up with Rodney Childers, which is a veteran crew chief, you know, Barry is going to be an older guy coming in, mid-30s. You know, we've been in this whole thing of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids coming in, and, and you know, okay. you got to build a team around them for a number of years. But, you know, this is kind of a, a out of the out of the left field here. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess not out of left field. That rumors have been out there for a while. But, you know, I'm looking forward to really seeing how Josh Berry does. I'm really surprised he's going to Ford camp. But this is one of the best rides in the garage um, you know, even though Stuart Haas has struggled somewhat this year, it's still one of the best rides in the garage. I mean, I gotta say, I mean, it's no secret that I think that the team itself is kind of unbalanced when it comes to the rides. I mean, Kevin Harvick is pulling wonders out of that car. Chase Briscoe was doing all right before the penalty, and then Ryan Priest and Errol Marola were just kind of floundering. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's you know it could be more of a Ford thing. You know, Penske's not been that great. Um, with the exception of maybe Blaney, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a little bit more of a four thing to me. Uh, to me, they definitely seem to be behind Chevrolet and Toyota at this point. So you know, like you said, Harvick's literally one of the top three to four drivers in the garage. Like you said, he's maximizing that car every week, plus with, paired with Childers. So you know, well, it's still one of the better uh, jobs in the garage. I yeah, think. the weird thing I think that Ford went from the highest of highest of highs with Joey Logano winning of the championship last year to like only like what one win two wins yeah. this year been been a rough, tough year for them yeah definitely it is not good for the Fords um also in the news was a bunch of crew chief changes for Stuart Haas Racing so Riley Herbst's crew chief Richard Boswell will be taking over for Chase Briscoe's team in the Cup Series Eric Amarola's crew chief is going to be the crew chief. Eric Amarola's engineer is going to move to Xfinity to be Riley Herbst's crew chief. And Br- Briscoe's crew chief, who is John Clausmeyer, he's just going to be hanging around in SR- SHR for Vehicle Performance Group. Honestly, kind of a weird shakeup, but Sturhaus might need something at this point to pull a few hat tricks. I mean, I don't think this really contributes to the uh, engineer, but Riley Herbst and them have been doing solid and decent really they had a strong start they haven't exactly been having the good finishes lately but i mean herbst wasn't doing bad at the start of the season then he just kind of i guess the best word would be was 
hit by the Hulkenberg curse. Just can't do anything good. Well, I mean, we said that Ford, Stuart Haas, all them, they they've have struggled this year. They have been really struggled this year. So I think this is one of them deals where you shake some things up, swing for the fences. I mean, Stuart Haas is going to need some wins. I don't – I mean – Briscoe is not going to pull his way in. He's going to win. I mean, really, all just about all the drivers outside of Harvick is going to have to win to get in. So, you know, I think this is one of them deals. Shake it up. Let's see what happens and then reevaluate in the season. I mean, plus the Xfinity team is an ex- is actually by their standards underperforming. I mean, Cole Custer came in this Xfinity series and everyone was expecting him to have like six or seven wins. So far, he's only won once at Portland, and even then, he just kind of snuck by at the last minute. And Riley Herbs was kind of we were kind of expecting him to have a breakout year, but so far he hasn't really done a lot. He had like he had a bunch of top tens at the start of the year, top tens, top fives, and then he just started getting involved in all these crashes. I think that's done something to his confidence. Yeah, I mean I would agree. Like you said, Sturhaus have definitely underperformed Xfinity and Cup level, so I think this is part of all those. You know, off week you re- kind of reevaluate things, and 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 Stewart and, and the other leadership there, Zipadelli, you were probably saying, "Hey, let's shake it up. Let's see what happens." I think Cole Custer has definitely not lived up to the hype that he definitely deserved the hype though, hype though, but has not lived up to it. So he has not been great. I don't expect him to be in the cup cup uh, cup ride anytime soon. So. Speaking of Xfinity, Speaking how about Justin Marks? Justin Marks will be driving the number 10 car for the Chicago Street Course. Kind of covering this now since uh, we can't really, we're not going to be in the booth next week to discuss stuff on the podcast, which yeah. we'll cover that later. So <laughs> That news was, to me was a little bit out of left field, and you have a, another car owner going to colleague to, uh, of course, I mean, I guess Trackhouse doesn't have an Xfinity team, but still, to me, it was when I seen that, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as Pacres said, there's no rule against it. I mean, and Marks technically did do like a one-off deal for the Truck Series last year. He drove the number 41 Nice Motorsports. That is true. And was doing all right until he had a wreck, which Mid-Ohio is the source of his only, which is, I believe, the source of his only Xfinity win in his entire career, which was back in 2016, a race that I still remember very fondly. Yeah, not saying it's going to happen, but the 10 car this year has had some pretty good results. Like, pretty I'm pretty good. sure only one, only one of them has not won like out of like six starts. So, All right. Uh, let's talk about some owner changes. Um, former NFL coach Josh Harris is going to make a substantial buy, buying out of uh, let's Joe Let's clarify that. Josh Harris is not a coach. He is a owner of other sports teams, like 76ers, New Jersey Devils, whatnot. Um, but he uh, definitely getting in with uh, Joe Gibbs. That's an interesting minority stake he's taking in. I think the details are a little bit fuzzy. It seems like they're going to take over some of the business and marketing side of it and let Gibbs focus on the racing I just I'm like you would wonder let's see where he heads down the road. You know, Gibbs unfortunately he's lost both of his sons. You know, there's a lot a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. So we'll see if grandkids get involved. But that to me that's something to keep an eye on down the road. Yeah, not something to keep an eye on right this minute, but something just kind of let let's keep it in the back of our heads, see how that how it plays out. As plus, you know, them bringing a check to the table to put some money into the to the uh, racing team is, doesn't hurt either. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it's not as, especially after they lost M and M's and a bunch of other sponsors. Yeah, I think that uh, that would be good for them backup sponsors, just in case like Gib, Gibbs like Monster Energy bails out on him, but which I it's not gonna happen. <laughs> 
So let's uh, move on to another note here. So we all remember Garage 56, right? Well, I mean, it literally happened last week. It was very successful. So successful that ne- that India is a country that has taken some interest, and NASCAR is eyeing India as part of expansion plans. I'm going to be perfectly real with y'all here. I don't exactly know of any good tracks in India, but I think it's always good to see. I think it's good to see interest. Race around the Taj Mahal. Is that in India? <laughs> uh, I don't. Th- I think that's uh, somewhere else, but okay, gotcha. I think. I think it'll be interesting. I'm curious if they can revive the old uh, F1 track that they used in 13. Uh, in F1. That would be definitely some. <laughs> Little fun fact about that uh, F1 track. You can still see the tire marks from where Sebastian Vettel did uh, burnouts there. I mean, to me, NASCAR certainly seems like they got an eye on international expansion. You know, there's rumors of a race in Canada next year in Montreal. There's rumors of a race in Mexico. There was rumors that owners have talked to people in Saudi Arabia and Middle East, and I think there's been some push maybe to bring a race to Europe. I mean, there's definitely some interest there internationally. Now, how does NASCAR make it work like F1? That is a whole different ballgame. Because, I mean, it's to be honest, I mean, it's this is not going to be cheap. Is NASCAR going to be one foot in the bill about this? This this is a lot to me, a lot to work out there. But it it does seem that NASCAR is on this trajectory to be doing something internationally. Soon. I think it's I think I think like you said, I think it's good that NASCAR is interested in this, but I'm not so sure how the money side logistically is going to pay for this. I'll I'll say one thing: I don't think I'd want it there. It sounds like a logistical nightmare. Yeah, definitely. I mean, can you imagine Bijan McLeod going to India? <laughs> uh, uh, just to f- just to qualify. It, uh, by that point, he's got, by that point he's only gonna have one tire, and that tire <laughs> could probably qualify faster than his car. <laughs> so it's uh, you know, something to watch. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. So we're gonna take a short break because let's be real, that's not a lot of NASCAR stuff. But we'll come back talk some more F one stuff because that was the highlight of this week. See ya. All right, we are back from our break, and we're going to get into the F1 stuff, or as I like to call it, the real meat and potatoes of this podcast, <laughs> or for this episode at least. So, not a lot. We had Canada over the weekend, and let's be real, the best way I can describe it, as as you said with Sonoma last week, relatively uneventful. Well, at least at the front of the grid, uh, but Verstappen winning it again, guess what? No one Who would have guessed point? it? <laughs> no, like, literally... If you pick someone else to win this race, you're stupid. <laughs> you were yeah, at this point because Verstappen and Red Bull have dominated. You know, Perez has seemed a little bit shaky lately. You know, he still get, did get six this week. I mean, Williams Albon was to me was a surprise of the race. Um, he was on old tires and he held off basically everyone from down to P8 to down below. I'm pretty sure he started a DRS trade down in Canada and just held on for P7, which was sort of kind of helped by the fact that Ocon and Norris were battling behind, even if Norris had a five-second time penalty. Right. Which this is, I think, his best... Posi- this, I think this is his best p- um, position, um, points-finishing position for, with Williams. So this is a good... Good points for him and Williams. I think they're still last in the constructors, right? No, they actually, I believe Ooh. they jumped, they jumped a lot of cars actually with seventh, um, seventh today. They're actually, no, they only went, jumped up to ninth. Alphatari is now last in the standings with both <laughs> Sonoda and DeVries. Oh. Sonoda has two points, DeVries, um, well. Man, what a struggle this year for Alphatari. Oh, yeah. 
What a struggle. I mean, I will say this. There is sort of kind of glimmer in the hope. I mean, Sonoda is still pulling out some incredible drives, but at the same time, that Alphatari can only take you so far. Well, he's 14th this week. That wasn't too incredible to me. Yeah, that is fair. But like other races, Sonoda has been in the battle for points at the very least or for 10th. DeVries, on the other hand, is, uh, well, I don't know what that guy's problem is. <laughs> yeah, definitely the rookie blues, him and Logan Sargent, a few of the other rookies are just really struggled this year. Not uh, a good year for Piastri has done better uh, the last few weeks, but I mean, the rookies this year have definitely struggled. Yeah, Logan Sargent is consistently last, and... At least he's consistent. <laughs> Nick DeVries is consistently inconsistent. I mean, his best finish was 12th in Monaco, which... Uh, Hold on, let me, let me rephrase that. He's consistently out of the points and out of a drive for next year, I think. I think he might lose his ride midseason if he doesn't shape up. I mean, that was the rumor for a while. I think the bigger story in this race for me is Mercedes... Um, and Master Martin looked neck and neck at this point. Stroll is, who knows? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's kind of up and down, it seems like. But, man, Mercedes and Aston Martin look pretty level to me now. Hey, now, I, hang on. I have a question. I thought uh, Aston Martin was supposed to have a double podium this week. What <laughs> went wrong? <laughs> what happened? That was a... Lawrence that was, Stroll, you want to explain? Yeah, that, that didn't work out too good for him, did it? We, Using predictions from drivers or, or whatever does not work out too good. Tends to be skewed in the favor of them. I mean, just ask Fernando Alonso. He said we they would crush the competition. We thought that they would be photo finishing for first, course, but th- Lance Stroll's photo finishing for 10th. I think the... the, the uh, one of the quotes I read was Alonzo says their upgrades were affected by the weather, so you didn't get to see the full potential, blah, blah, blah. So, mm, I mean, to me, that. Mercedes look like they're the ones right now that are making the gains. I mean, they they have looked a lot better last few races. I think if that qualifying session didn't have that red flag, I think we might have saw Alonzo contending for pole because in Q1 and Q2, they were, like, going back and forth with poles until – Albon came in and got first. I mean, I'm saying this. Even if Alonso got pole, I mean, it only it only would be a matter of two corners before Max Verstappen would overtake <laughs> him. So you're not really doing much by putting yourself on the pole. Especially that star he had. Like, that's he why got I, jumped by Hamilton, which... Yeah. I mean, and also, how about Sergio Perez, man? I mean, he, he's Q2. in the same thing. He's in the, he's in the second best car in the field. and He's out in Q2. When is the last time he's made Q3? Exactly. Baku? <laughs> Baku, I believe. Right. So, I mean, the, the guy, I mean, and, and we've said on this podcast more than once, F1 is a qualifying sport. You've got to qualify good to finish well And if you're not Max Verstappen. And uh, Sergio is, man, I don't know if it's a confidence problem at this point, if it's just kind of in his head. You know, we, there's always things out there that Marco's thinking about replacing him with Ricardo and – and whoever else, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of going on in that number two car right now. It's almost a bigger story than Max crushing the field every week. <laughs> yeah, if it isn't Max Verstappen crushing the field every week, it's will Sergio Perez be replaced? And if so, who? Daniel Ricciardo? No. Liam Lawson? Yeah. Definitely not. No. Yeah, Sergio. I mean, and, and Max, <laughs> I think I chuckled that he had a – they asked him, I guess, was it pre-race or post-race? He I was believe ba- it was post-qualifying. He was basically <laughs> like, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> I, well, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Just because you're 
I mean, he's right in a way. Just because your teammate is struggling, you are not obligated to help. I mean, yeah, you can share sub- setup tips, but like, you're not obligated to help. And him. I get that, but I mean, it's it, you, for you to tell the press that basically you don't care. Yeah, you know, you could retwist it definitely way. I think he probably could have worded that a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. But at the same time, I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from. I mean, you don't have to help him. I mean, if. Let's 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 move back a couple years to the hybrid area. If it didn't help him in Brazil last year. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> but I mean, let's move back a couple years to the hybrid era. Whenever Botas was Hamilton's teammate, I mean, Botas kind of struggled in eighteen. Did Lewis Hamilton care? No. I mean, he but he told Botas to move over in Russia. Very true. Very true. I mean, but I mean, we see this in F one teammates or. <sighs> They're not teammates at times, and 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 it's it's certainly a, a a interesting thing how principals navigate it. You know, Sergio has definitely been aggravated at Max, but I mean that, you know, ever since Baku, man, the guys kind of drop off the radar, and he's not even. I mean, at, at this point, <laughs> Hamilton or uh, Alonso is going to pass him up for for second at this point. Actually, Alonso is only nine points off Sergio Perez right. in the. He's standings. one bad race away from losing second. I don't. Yeah. I do not think that'll go over well. Oh, that that I think that might be the final straw right there, and I'll be honest. I think a lot of it's Sergio's own fault. I mean, he's told he's said on a bunch of interviews that he was in this championship fight that he could win from Verstappen. Um, no, your, points ga- your points gap begs to defer. <laughs> and we say on this podcast, you can't wreck cars in F1 or you get replaced in a hurry. And he's he's crashed some cars this year. Yeah, he's crashed some cars this year. Not not a good look for Perez. This is a bad thing for me. It's a new Mick Schumacher, unfortunately. Nah, I don't think I go that far. Uh, let's not go that far. And apparently there's some redemption. I saw that he did a test earlier this week. And he is apparently looking likely to replace Lewis should he retire. I mean, I think Mick would be an all right fit for Mercedes since his father did drive for Mercedes. So it does kind of feel like kind of it comes full circle for family. But other than that, I'm not really too sure how I would feel about Mick Schumacher losing a seat at Haas for not being good and then immediately getting a seat at Mercedes, which is a step up from Haas. I can't see it. It's one of the best teams in the garage and in the paddock and – it, I can't see it. I mean, it's more like it's looking more and more likely that. Uh, I mean, Mercedes doesn't need the funding. You know, he brought funding <laughs> to Haas, and he. I mean, let's be honest. Mercedes is like uh, Red Bull. They're probably turning away sponsors at this point. So I can't imagine they need funding. It's so actually look, looking a little bit more likely that the current F two points leader would go to uh, Mercedes since he is in the Mercedes <sighs> Academy. To at the me, same they, time, we heard rumors that Hamilton's actually looking for an extension now. Right. So I'm like you. I think he's going to finish this car out, which. Is through twenty five. Uh, to me, he probably rides off into the sunset after that when the new car starts in twenty six. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, to me, Toto could just about pulling a driver outside of a Red Bull driver to come to Mercedes. Yeah. I think. Um, I think a uh, bigger story this year was uh, Ferrari not screwing up a strategy. Carlos Sainz and Leclerc were uh, fifth and seventh, pulled off a good one stop when everyone else was pulling two stops, and just kind of had good racing. Yeah, at the beginning, when that safety car came out for uh, George Russell, he, they didn't box. We were like, what is he doing? Like, this is a safety car. Take advantage of it. But, like, they pulled it out. So. Actually, Ferrari was fourth and fifth. Again, even better. Yeah. So, I mean, Leclerc signs, better races. Uh, Verser, uh, like you said, there was still some questionable stuff there. And it's kind of odd. Uh, somebody else, I think it was Martin Brown that pulled out on the on the – 
telecast it for all you they do have a weird dynamic that the drivers seem like they challenge a lot of the principal's directions or the, the engineer's directions and it's kind of so it kind of tells you that, that there's a still a little bit of a I know not everybody's on the same page there. Yeah, I think you, know, Brundle, you don't you don't hear. I mean, you hear Verstappen sometimes buck as engineer, but you don't hear too many times people bucking Mercedes and 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 whoever else, you know, saying, well, "Hey, I'm not doing this. We need to do this." Well, that's because the Mercedes strategists actually are doing their job <laughs> and doing their job good. Ferraris kind of make questionable decisions. It's, it's and still you make a little enough bit questionable decisions. You're going to start getting uh, called out on it. It's still definitely a little bit fractured. I mean. Sure. When Vettel drove for Ferrari, he was the strategist. Like, Vettel didn't, like, tell his strategies what to do. He was the strategist. <laughs> I think that was a problem with Leclerc, because Leclerc liked to listen to a lot of the strategies and do the strategies until it backfired on him. He's getting better at kind of challenging the strategies now, this year, and a little bit last year, but he, he was kind of bad at listening to those strategies for a little while. So... So what's next? Interesting tactics? I think we'll move on to our interesting tactics. So uh, I'll start with you, Dad. What's your interesting tactic? I mean, this has got to be Josh Berry going to Stuart Haas. Uh, to me, pairing him up with uh, Rodney Childers. Uh, to me, the tactic is going to a middle-aged guy versus a young begun or whatnot. I, I, I like it. I'm curious to see it works out. I've been a Berry fan. We kind of, you know, we've all three kind of kept up with him uh, in late models. And whatnot, and kind of kept up with him the whole time. So I'm, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm definitely going to be um, uh, watching from afar to see how he does. So I, that's kind of an interesting tactic. They go with somebody that's an older rookie per se. Yeah, this is uh, my interesting tactic is definitely not shocking, and it's going to be Max Verstappen and Red Bull in their car because this is Red Bull's 100th win, and I think. Max Verstappen has either tied or surpassed Ayrton Senna. He has tied with Ayrton Senna's win record, and Red Bull themselves are now, I believe, the fifth constructor to reach 100 wins, and they did it with five drivers. Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, Mark Webber, and I believe the other one was... Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Perez. (laughs) And... That's how forgetful Perez is sometimes. In an F1 video once, they said that an unbeatable record is Michael Schumacher's 100% podium finish rate. So far, Max Verstappen is going to beat that. So, At this point, all thing he does is he crashes or has an engine problem. That's the only thing that's going to stop him. If he finishes a race on his own power, he's going to podium, if not a win. That is very true. All right, so I'm going to talk about my interesting tactic. It has to do with no racing. But in qualifying, there were four drivers that got grid penalties for one reason or another. The first one to run a foul of the highest of the grid was Nico Hulkenberg, who after putting in a lap time that got him as good as the front row on the grid, was penalized for not going slow enough under red flag conditions. I mean, even if he did get second, he'd have been a mobile chicane since that rate pace is <laughs> That was definitely a wacky qualifying session. The second, the second two to fall a foul of the of grid penalties were Carlos Sainz and Yuki Tsunoda, who were both penalized for impeding. And then Lance Stroll was given a free place grid penalty for being Lance Stroll. <laughs> I actually, I'm, I believe he was also busted for impeding, as I, I believe in Canada, but just kind of wacky situation with 
qualifying if a bunch of cars impeding and it's just kind of a weird i mean you'd have guys try to start their flying laps i mean gasly was i think the gasly missing out on q2 was a huge reason why f1 penalized science but i have a second interesting tactic fp1 was canceled because we had a cctv issue which is apparently controls the whole which allows the f1 to see the entire track you mean to tell me you have no backups for if something like a CCTV would would shut down? You mean to tell me that there are no backups? Which we're basically talking about internet, right? Yeah, it's basically yeah. internet and like cable. Right. So area. basically, all their data was coming through. So yeah, bizarre, very bizarre. I agree. I agree. So all right. So we're gonna move on to predictions. So predictions are gonna be interesting this week. We're gonna make our predictions for Nashville this week, but we're also gonna be making our predictions for both Austria. And the Chicago Street Course, since that is happening the week that we cannot cover Nashville. So we're gonna. So when we come back the week after next, we're gonna be discussing Nashville a little bit, Chicago Street Course, as well as the F1 race at Austria and any news that happened in between. So we'll start off with the NASCAR predictions, and I don't think we'll delve too much into the F1 predictions. We agree with all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about predictions for Nashville. Uh, I'm gonna go first. I think that uh, Hendrick's going to kind of snap back into the game a little, and I think I think there's a tie for the most wins right now this season. I think Bill Byron's going to break that. Ooh. Not bad. Um, I'm going to take Tyler Reddick. Interesting. All right, I'm going KB. Kyle Busch. Mm-hmm. I see. This is kind of a, a similar race. as Gateway, concrete. You know, it's bigger than Gateway, so I'm, I'm going KB. Kyle Busch. All right, we'll see how that goes in Nashville. We regroup the set the week after, but we have another race between now and the week after next. Chicago Street Course, as well as the F1 race at Austria, but again, we aren't talking about the F1 race at Austria since, well, Red Bull. Red Bull, yeah, absolutely. It's a Red Bull track. Mm-hmm. And All right, so for Chicago Street Course, I'm going to go first. I'm going to say we have... I'm going to say... I'll be honest, I... Really, it's a wild card race, so I'm going to go with what my gut says. I'm going to go with Martin Truex, our most recent road course winner. He's got Tyler Reddick on his side, and those two are great road racers. Reddick would have been my pick. However, I picked him for the last road course race at Sonoma, so I kind of wanted to pick Truex this time since he's a good road racer. Um, I think I'm going to go. I can go Chase Elliott because mm, I picked him last time. So... That is our rule. We cannot pick the same guy twice in a row. And since Sonoma, since we did our Sonoma predictions last week, we did not. We're not going to do any of them for this week. So I think I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna throw AJ Allmendinger. Ooh, I'm going Jolo. Every time there's a race somewhere for the first time, Logano seems like he's there. That is so true. So I'm going Jolo. That's a good point. Also, let's uh, talk about our results from uh, last week. Connor picked Daniel Suarez as his pick for Sonoma. Dad picked Chase Elliott, and I picked Tyler Reddick. And out of all those, Chase Elliott was the only one who hung on for a top 10. Daniel Suarez finished down in P22, and uh, Tyler Reddick took some very interesting shortcuts <laughs> at Sonoma. Yeah. yeah. We'll see where it goes. So, I, you know, Chicago is a total wild card. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. yeah, definitely going to be interesting. And so 
that's uh, going to be where we end off this podcast tonight. And I hope you all have a great rest of your week. We're on vacation next week. Don't remember. Just remember, no podcast next week. And have a good rest of the night. Bye.